Thinking Liberty, episode 16. Welcome to Thinking Liberty, the podcast that explores lifestyles of freedom-minded individuals. Join us as we discuss work, hobbies, health, learning, and more while living a travel-orientated lifestyle. Be curious, be open, be inspired, be free. And now, here are your hosts, Zach and Sarah Varnell. Hey everybody, welcome to Thinking Liberty episode 16. We're currently here in our mobile studio in Rochester, Massachusetts. I'm Zach. And I'm Sarah, and uh, we're both pretty excited about the interview we have for you today. Um, We're interviewing Lauren uh, Bates from Wild Terrains. Um, Some of you may want to travel more, but you don't know how to go, where to go, or how to start planning, or you might not think that you have enough time. Um, But Lauren, with her website, wildterrains.com, she has been putting up travel guides, and they cover where to eat, what to drink, what to do, where to stay. And all of these guides are free to use, and as she'll explain later on in the episode, some of these guides came about from short three to four day trips that she took, just taking advantage of long weekends. And so what I find so cool about that is that, you know, if you are really feeling like you can't travel more because you only have three or four days, uh, it really takes away some of the stress of the planning and the time of planning to allow you to really just take advantage of your time and get out there and do stuff and see stuff. So we're pretty excited to have her on later. Yeah, and then Sarah and I have been having a pretty busy week. As we mentioned last episode, we took our little work trip to New Hampshire. And unfortunately, we didn't get out as much as we wanted to. It was mainly just work-focused. And we stayed in an Airbnb there, and that's where we recorded this episode, actually. So there might be a little more background noise than typical because i think the acoustics are just better in an rv surprisingly than this uh airbnb we were in i know at some points you'll be able to hear ollie running around and his little claws (laughs) scratching on the hardwood but just bear with us because that's not really something that's going to happen every episode yeah and we'll see how it goes it might not be that bad but um yeah i mean it was it wasn't the first time we've recorded an interview in an airbnb but with airbnbs you know it's kind of unpredictable and we're planning an episode to talk about you know how we record in a small space in an rv and how we record when we're on the road so we'll go over some tips and tricks that we've picked up along the way in a mini episode that we're prepping for you later But, um, yeah, so we actually went to New Hampshire the day after we got into Massachusetts, so it was kind of a quick drop off the RV and hit the road again. Uh, And then we came back, and we were here for, like, two or three nights, and then we actually just got back today. Um, We took a weekend getaway. Uh, We stayed in a small yacht uh, that we found off of Airbnb, and one night we stayed in the harbor off of Martha's Vineyard, and the other night in Nantucket. And it was our first time going to both places, but I would say it definitely won't be our last. Yeah, and our first time sleeping on a boat like that. I mean, we've been on cruises and stuff before, but this was, you know, a much smaller sailboat. And it was just interesting, like, the whole thing, the, um, you know, sleeping on a boat, going back and forth to the shore on a dinghy, and then seeing Martha's Vineyard and Nantucket for the first times was pretty interesting and, you know, the captain that of the boat we were staying with, he lives there full time and he sails around. Um, you know, he stays up in Massachusetts mainly during the winter. And then in the sum, 
I think I'm getting this backwards. In the <laughs> summer, he stays up in Massachusetts, and then yes. in the winter, he goes down to places like Puerto Rico and the British Virgin Islands. So it was really interesting. And from what I gather, he mainly makes his money by hosting people on Airbnb now, just who want to come onto the ship for a few days and you know see what it's like to live on a sailboat and sail around. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a very large boat, but um, it still had like a small, you know, up deck area um, that was covered, and there were seats that you could sit out and hang out on. And then um, down below decks, there was an open space with um, a table and bench, and then he had you know shelves with like his movies and music and things like that. And then we stayed off in a little room to the right, and we actually had you know a private bathroom, which was really nice. Um, and there was a decent-sized closet, so we just kind of stashed our backpacks there because we were trying to travel pretty light for this trip. Um, and then on the other side of the open room, there was a little kitchen area, so there was actually a stove and a refrigerator, and honestly, the setup kind of reminded me of RVs. Yeah, and we brought our dog with us, too, which was interesting, and he got used to it really fast and loved being on the boat and laying out on the deck in the sun. It was a little bit irritating to have to take him to the shore so many times when, you know, we have to do it via a boat transport or on a dinghy or something. But he loved that dinghy. Yeah. He it, loved being He loved on riding that. in it. So, but overall, it was a lot of fun. Um, I don't know. I think we would definitely do something like this again. Maybe not the exact same places, but if we were ever, you know, in some other area where sailing is big... I'd definitely be looking at Airbnb to see if there are any more, uh, you know, sailboat experiences like that. Yeah, I mean, it was a really good weekend for us because we just really put the focus on relaxing. Like, we didn't bring our computers at all. So um, we stayed, you know, very unplugged from work, um, didn't think about it. Uh, I wasn't thinking about, I mean, I think maybe once I mentioned to Zach something about RV stuff, um, but I wasn't thinking about all the projects that I wanted to do in the RV. I wasn't thinking about work projects. Um, I finished a book that I had started forever ago and just hadn't picked back up, so I was able to finish that, and it was really good. Um, but it was just great being able to relax on the boat, and you know, then we would go ashore and check out the island life a little bit and get to see what it's like. Um, so it was it was great, but. We took a ferry from Hyannis um, to Martha's Vineyard, and that's where uh, the captain picked us up. And so, um, I don't know, I really like ferry boat rides because it's just, it. I don't know, there's just something about it. It's like exciting, you're going to a new place, and you don't have to worry about getting there. Um, and I also really love it when ferries have drinks for people. And I don't know why, but it's just really amusing to me when they serve alcohol. I have no idea why. Um, but we tried a Cape Cod brew on the ferry. Um, I tried the beach blonde ale. Did you try the same thing? or did you red. Red ale. Yeah. So it was just really cool. We got to relax and sip on a beer. And, um, you know, in an hour we were there. And then that's where the captain picked us up. And he took us to the boat. And we checked in and checked it out. And he had his own room on the ship um, and his own bathroom. So we kind of were able to keep to ourselves. But we also chatted with him a couple of times, too. So it was just really interesting. He provided, like, recommendations on what to do um, or what we could do. But we typically didn't end up staying out that late. We ended up going back to the boat to relax and just yeah, unwind, just hanging out I guess. On the boat yeah. And, yeah, that was... A lot of fun. Like, I liked, you know, visiting the islands and seeing new places, but just being able to relax on the boat 
was probably the best part of it all. And like you said, being away from the RV even for a little bit was nice because, you know, we didn't have our laptop, so we couldn't do work even if we wanted to. And, you know, we're not looking around thinking about what we need to do in the RV or any of that. So it was a nice, relaxing weekend. Yeah, and less just goofing off on the Internet, too. I mean, you know, you have your laptop and you kind of keep scrolling through Facebook or whatever other sites you go to. And there was definitely less of that. I mean, we still had our phones with us, um, so we're still some of that. But we mainly just use our phones for pictures and um, I don't know. So it was just it was really nice being able to hang out and chill together. Um, and then we did a ton of walking on the islands. Um, my favorite thing, I think, about Martha's Vineyard and probably everything we did this weekend um, was the gingerbread houses. They were just so cute. Um, for people who might be wondering why we're calling them gingerbread houses, it's just, they really, like, they resemble little fairy tale cottages. It's just the lattice work, the trim work, the way they're designed and laid out. Um, it's just, they're so, they're so cute and so beautiful to look at. Um, and there's like this whole like cottage village of them. Um, and we actually went to one of them has been turned into a museum so you can walk through it. Yeah, pretty small museum. But those are my favorite kind where, you know, you pay like two bucks or whatever to get in and you look around, you know, the one or two room museum. And that was fun. And then the lady in there just seemed to know everything about the history of the area. And she told us everything you know, they gave us the spill and then was able to answer any questions we had before we looked around and got to tour one of the old gingerbread houses. Yeah, and it's just cool because apparently they started out as tents because it was um, partially during, like, the revivalist movement. So the Methodists were coming over for, like, camp meetings. And so um, in the center is where the... Um, preacher would be and that's where everyone would go to meet for prayer and uh studying the bible and then they would go back to their little tents and they would decorate them with flowers or um you know fabric lanterns things like that and then over time they started building them into you know small one-room buildings and then it grew into like two-room buildings and then some of them got second floors and I think now they're not allowed to make any structural changes anymore, but they can still paint them whatever colors they want. So it's just, each one is unique, and it's just a lot of history and really cool to just walk through them. I kept joking that um, Zach was going to have to buy me one of those houses, and he kept saying, fine, I'll buy you an actual gingerbread house. Uh, but then we found a little um, like Christmas ornament. And it's just this little tin, like, 3D-dimensional, like, model of three little gingerbread houses next to each other. So he actually bought me three gingerbread houses. <laughs> it counts. <laughs> um, so that was my favorite thing about Martha's Vineyard. And they actually do um, an illumination every year where they decorate all the houses with lights and lanterns. And I think I read that it started in, like, 1839 or, I don't know, don't quote me on that year. But uh, definitely a long time ago. And we missed that by one day, but we'll go back some year and definitely check it out again. So we haven't had much time to do much exploring of Massachusetts other than that. Uh, but we're here for one week, and then I think as we mentioned before, we're flying into Atlanta uh, because I have to be on site for work, and then we're staying for Dragon Con. And we mentioned that last episode, so if you don't know what that is, have a listen or at least check the show notes um, from last week's episode, episode 15, and learn a little bit more about it because it's a really cool event. And then we'll have one week, one more week in Massachusetts, and then we're headed to Maine, which we're very excited about. Yeah, and this trip had gotten us so jazzed about going on ferry rides that I was looking up ferry rides for Maine. 
And I saw there was one that goes to Nova Scotia, but unfortunately it's six and a half hours long. So it's probably not going to be a realistic weekend trip for us. Yeah, we, we just have this habit of like looking up stuff and starting to plan things because you were looking up all of those like different hiking trails and we're like, yep, okay, we're doing that next year or we're doing that next year or we're just going to pick one of them and we're going to do it. Yeah, or all of them. <laughs> yeah, Whatever. or all of them. You never know. We'll make it work. So that's our update from the road this time. Uh, let's go ahead and go into the interview with Lauren Bates from Wild Terrains. Thank you, Lauren, so much for joining us. Um, we're really excited to have you on and talk about Wild Terrains and get to know you a little bit more. Um, to start, do you want to just give a quick introduction and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, sure. And thanks so much for having me. Um, I, um, my name's Lauren, obviously. I'm the founder and creator of Wild Trains. It's a uh, boutique travel company that um, really focuses on creating interesting content and travel guides for people who like to plan their own trips um, and are really focused on um, making sure they have fabulous local experiences when they travel. And especially for people who are really interested in finding great food, great design, interesting architecture, um, and just unique experiences that, you know, you wouldn't find in sort of a a more typical travel guide like a Fromers or a Lonely Planet. Okay, cool. I mean, yeah, you mentioned a couple of other places. It's it's kind of cool. Your um, website, it's um, it seems very, you know, tailored and unique uh, for people that want to go and visit. And from previous discussions that we've had with you and just from reading about you and hearing about you, it's neat to know that, you know, you're not just somebody who likes to travel and knows about travel and so you thought oh this is a good market let's create this website you're actually a very avid traveler yourself um i think you told us last time that we spoke that you went on a six months backpacking solo trip through southeast asia which is just amazing to me to be able to travel for that long by yourself what was that experience like yeah so um i definitely i I have travel in my bones it's really like core to who i am um I started traveling. My mom was in the hotel industry. So growing up, I was exposed to not really like crazy travel growing up, but, um, you know, she took us out of the country multiple times when we were kids. Um, and I think that's where I got my travel bug. And then I, um, in college, I took leave of absence and did sort of a atypical study abroad, um, where I spent a couple of months in Argentina and a couple of months in Peru. And that experience really made me realize that I needed travel to be part of my life long-term. And so right after college, uh, I took, actually graduated college a year early. So I used that extra year to um, travel by myself. And so that's when I went to Southeast Asia I went as a 21-year-old 20, solo woman um, and started in Vietnam, um, then moved to Laos, Cambodia, Thailand, Indonesia, and Nepal. And um, actually the way that came about was I had applied for a fellowship or a grant um, 
that my university offered where you proposed a topic that you wanted to study around the world and they basically funded a year of travel for you. And I didn't win the grant. And so I spent about a day in tears in bed, I think watching like Mad Men on repeat. Um, That sounds like what I would have done too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ate a lot of chocolate. um, And I think, I forget, I think it was a friend um, just said to me, well, why don't you just do it on your own? And so I took this whole proposal that I had made. I was interested in learning about um, women's issues around the world. So in, you know, not just um, sort of the standard issues we hear about, but education, health, um, violence against women around the world. And so I still was interested in that topic. And so I basically crafted my own trip um, to sort of research that on my own. And at the time I had a blog called Skirting the Limits. um, And that's where, I mean, this was like pre-smartphone days. So Instagram, I think if it existed, it was barely, you know, no one knew about it. Um, I was traveling with like a barely functionable BlackBerry. and, And so I just kept this blog that was basically just text with some images that told the story about all my travels. Um, and that, that for me like really shaped my view on the world and, um, my interest in going to places that were a little bit outside of the box and spending a lot of time there and getting to know locals. And I, I spent, I traveled slowly when I did that trip. So, Um, I would make friends, um, everywhere I went and usually it would be with locals. So I would pick up odd jobs. I worked in a bakery in Nepal for like six weeks. Um, and I just learned a lot about, uh, the world that way. And so, um, I think that, that was an experience that really, really shaped, um, who I am now. And then I, Wild Trains, you know, it started, last year. So a decade later, um, and in between I've, um, sort of built a career in marketing full time. So I think I've taken a lot of the, you know, raw things that I learned from when I was younger, traveling and exploring and talking to locals and get, you know, figuring out, um, how to find those unique destinations. And then also taken my sort of more vocational training and marketing and content creation and creativity and branding. And I think those two things are kind of what collided and really made me want to start Wild Terrains. Um, and so when you go to our site at wildtrains.com, you, I think you can really feel that there's a lot of thought put behind the branding and the content and how it's all laid out and Um, what type of information we're providing. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a really uh, interesting and unique background story for Wild Terrains, I think, too. Um, You said a bakery in Nepal. Did you come away with any cool or new recipes for you? I don't know. They They were baking very basic things. It was in the mountains in Nepal, so the ingredients were very, very uh, sparse. Um, I, I think more so I... I, I'm still friends with the, the women that worked there. So I'm friends with them on Facebook. We comment on each other's photos. Um, 
we couldn't have more different lives at this point, but I think that it, it just created a bond with those women um, that I've, I still have today. So how are you able to travel now that you've settled into your career more and you're not just able to vagabond around? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so when I was younger, I really just took, you know, the standard vacations um, that, you know, everyone takes their two weeks every year. And I would just go to places that I was really interested in. Um, I, I now work in a startup. Um, and so I think one of the things um, when I was out of college and after that trip in Asia, I ended up working for a giant corporation. And, you know, I think that giant companies are good for some people, um, not for me. I learned that very quickly. Um, there's a lot of rules, and I don't like rules. And so um, I ended up gravitating to the more startup-like companies. And since that change, I've stayed in startups. Um, and one of the really wonderful things about working in a startup, but also working in marketing, which is mostly done digitally now, um, is you can really do it from anywhere. And so um, I try to take advantage of opportunities to work remotely where I'll, you know, I'll go travel somewhere um, and for a week and I'll use the weekends to meet people and explore and, and uh, actually take some time off. And then I, I'll, you know, rent an Airbnb during the week and work remotely um, and still, you know, work a full day during the week so I'm not having to take time off. And then other times I, I really take advantage of long weekends. So I'm a big fan of, I think some people think I'm crazy, but you know, I'll hop down to South America for four days. So a Thursday to a Sunday or a Friday to a Monday. Um, and I, I think when you are traveling off the peak times, if you look for flight deals that are cheap, um, sometimes you can go, you know, somewhere like, I just, I actually just went to Chile earlier this year for $170 round trip. And so wow. it makes it fit to go for like a just short period of time because it, the flights, you know, cheaper than you could get to go somewhere domestically in the U S. Yeah. I've noticed that Southwest every couple of months has a really good sale on flights. Um, are you using sales like that or do you like to use like, um, flights.com or something like that? Yeah, I actually, um, I, I'm a member of, um, Scott's cheap flights. Um, they are a aggregator. It's, it's a guy, there's a guy named Scott, you know, I've emailed back and forth. It's very popular now actually. Um, and I've been a member of it for a long time and he sends, um, pretty much daily deals, um, to his premium subscribers. And it's not that expensive. It's like $10 a quarter. So like $40 a year. Um, and so if you use that a lot, that's really nothing. Yeah. That's... Yeah. I mean, in the last 12 months, I've gotten a flight to, I got my flight to Iceland was $200 nonstop. And my flight to Chile, which was a really decent flight was 150 round trip. So I feel like I've already paid for the, you know, lifelong subscription to his service. Yeah, definitely. That's the one I use. Um, so that's, it. I think it's the best one out there. Great. Awesome. Yeah. I'm not even sure if there is a flights.com. I was kind of drawing a blank. So I just said the first thing that popped into my head. 
<laughs> there has to be a flights.com. I don't know if it's any good, but I'll go buy that. Okay. So, um, we talked a little bit about your travels and so this kind of all funneled into your desire to get out and travel more. And then you said, you know, you just really already kind of interested in blogging and creating stories about your experiences and travels. Is that what kind of led you into creating wild terrains? Yeah. I mean, so I think really where wild trains came in is that as I was getting a little bit older and when I was younger, I traveled, um, dirt cheap. Like, I mean, I really, you know, I would live off of less than, you know, $10 a day or $5 a day in most places. Um, and so I found as I was getting older and in my later twenties that I, you know, I wasn't getting to travel as much. I also, you know, had a full-time job and had a little bit more money to spend. And so I wanted to, um, travel wisely, but also make sure that I was taking advantage of some luxuries when I traveled that I didn't normally take advantage of. And nothing pains me more than to, you know, I think we all feel this way. It's like you, when you travel and you're looking for an authentic experience or a great restaurant or even just like a chic hotel to stay in, nothing is more painful than paying for something like that and feeling like it was touristy or you got ripped off or it wasn't that local or authentic. And so one of the things I started doing when I was planning my trips is, and I, I have the patience to do this, I know not everyone does, is I would just do so much research before I went somewhere um, to plan a four or five day trip. And I would, you know, all sorts of ways, looking at articles and magazines and looking at what Instagram influencers that live in those places were posting about look at what, you know, some more um, like-minded travelers online were talking about, reading architecture and design um, news around things that um, were either recently opening or renovated in the places I was visiting. Um, And then also, like, reading books about the places I was going and, like, looking for sort of historical or natural landmarks that are mentioned in those books. And so I would spend so much time researching and I, and I found that it made my trip so much more rewarding, um, up front. And then the other thing that I would do is every time I get to a place, I, um, you know, I, I think I just made it sound like I'm really planning my trips out minute by minute, which I, I don't try to do. Um, I try to have like sort of half my trip planned. And then when I get somewhere, I talk to the first thing I do is talk to the cab driver that I take from the airport. Um, I'll talk, I'll go to a bar the first night. I'll talk to the bartender and I ask them for their favorite restaurants, their favorite bars, their favorite experiences. And I literally will end up with these sort of cocktail napkins with things scribbled on them from all these people that I'll interact with on the first day. And I'll visit those and if I like them, I'll jot them down and keep everything logged that I did that I loved um, during the trip. And then what I found before Wild Trains is I would do that and then someone would tell me they were going back to that same destination I just went to and I would email them basically a travel guide for for their trip. And I got so, so much positive feedback from that that I just decided 
you know, I really wanted to share it with, um, more people. And so that's really how Wild Train started was just, I was already creating these travel guides for myself when I went on my trips. And then I was sharing them with family and friends. And I was taking beautiful photos while I was traveling. And so I thought, why not um, share this with everyone? So that was really how it started. I think um, since starting Wild Trains, I have some other ideas about how it could expand or grow. And I've gotten some really cool and interesting feedback from people who've used the travel guides and um, people who have just connected with me since it started. That's cool. Yeah, I've found that it's good to be a planner when it comes to travel because, you know, not only does this trip go a little more smoothly, but you have fun a lot of times while you're traveling and you learn a lot, even if you don't end up using every resource that you read about and every, you know, thing you researched. So it's like you get to have fun reading and learning about the new stuff, and then you get to actually go and do it knowing a little bit what you're talking about and what you're going to be seeing. Totally. And one of the things that I found, and this is one of the amazing things that technology allows us to do now that when, you know, when I was in doing my trip in Asia 10 years ago, you just, it wasn't even possible. Um, I actually, as people give me recommendations, I add them to sort of like a living Google map. Um, Google lets you create your own Google maps where you can pin like address locations and you can add notes. Um, so especially when I'm traveling in like a big city, I will just take all of the information that I found. I dump it into a Google map as I'm planning. And then, um, I bring, you know, I bring my phone with me traveling. I'll buy data for the time that I'm there. And then I'll use the Google map as I'm walking around the city. So what I found that's really cool about that is sometimes when you're traveling, you have a free afternoon. It can be overwhelming to say, Oh, what do we want to go see? And I, sometimes I think when you when you have a list of five things you want to see across the city, you end up spending like half your day in public transit or like in traffic. Um, and I'm such a person that loves to walk. So what I'll do is I'll pull up the Google Maps, um, Google Google Map that I've created, and I'll look where I am on it, and then I'll look for the pins that are within walking distance of where I am. And so it'll like. I've, I've done it the last couple of trips and it's been really awesome. Cause I, the moment that I feel like, Oh, I don't know what I want to do next. I'll just look at that map and then I'll have an afternoon full of stuff because everything's within walking distance. And then it allows you to kind of focus on one neighborhood or area per day. And the next day you can go to a different area and you get to see way more stuff that way. That's awesome. I've been kind of making like a running um, Excel spreadsheet, uh, which is easy to forget, you know, what things you wanted to do or wanted to see. Uh, so I might have to try that Google Maps idea. Well, and pro tip is you can upload an Excel spreadsheet to Google Maps. So if you have an address column in it, it'll just upload all of your stuff and upload all the pins automatically. Oh, wow. Well, that's going to be an afternoon project one day soon. <laughs> Um, so for people that aren't like super extroverted, but they want to get out there and they want to travel more and they want to experience more like, you know, of the local culture and the local flavor of wherever they're going. Do you have any tips or advice on how to interact with people and op- start opening up conversations? 
Yeah, I think it, it really, I mean, it depends where you're traveling, right? There's all, in a lot of places, there's going to be a language barrier with, um, um, with some of the locals. So for me, I speak fluent Spanish. So that opens up a lot of the world to me to be able to communicate. Um, my, the biggest tip that I tell people, I mean, I'm a big proponent of solo travel. I think, um, I think if you're in a group of two or more, the best way to meet people is to just, you know, approach other groups while you're out, um, or talk to your cab driver, talk to your bartender, talk to people that are sitting in the lobby of your hotel. Um, I think it's actually a lot easier if, if you can get over the sort of scariness that I think a lot of people have with traveling by themselves. Um, I think it's actually a lot easier to meet people and have interesting conversations if you travel by yourself. Um, and my number one tip if you're traveling by yourself is, um, it's tempting to avoid eating out at restaurants when you're by yourself because it feels like if you're sitting at a table for two or four and you're by yourself, it feels kind of lame. But if most restaurants have a bar that you can eat at, so, um, and I found that all the solo travels will go solo travelers will go sit at the bar. So sit at the bar, talk to your bartender, talk to the people next to you. And I, I've made so many friends that way. And I'm, I'm extroverted, but I'm not the most outgoing person, especially if I'm by myself. Um, and so that's probably my number one tip is like, don't be shy about going out at night. Don't be shy about going to dinner by yourself, but eat at the bar and then, just strike up conversations with the people that are next to you and see where that leads. Cool. So each of those travel guides, are those a place that you've been to already or are some of them just created from research? Everything on wild trains. I don't put anything on wild trains that I have not, um, actually done myself. So, um, you won't see like every hotel that's recommended unless it says that I haven't stayed there, which I think maybe there's only one or two that say that I've actually slept in the hotel, every restaurant I've eaten a full meal there, every bar I've sat and had a cocktail, every experience I've driven, walked, hiked. So I'm very, very, um, every store I've like actually gone in and shopped and bought something. Um, so I, I'm, it actually, I, I don't know if it's fair, but I, I find it um, sometimes frustrating when I'm looking at other travel sites and I see people recommending places they haven't been because I just think that you lose some credibility in that way because I just would never want to recommend something that I haven't physically tried or done. Um so yeah, every, every travel guide is somewhere I've been to and every, um, everything listed in it is something I've physically experienced. Um, and actually there's quite a bit that I do on those trips that don't make it into the travel guides because, um, I have a really, um, sort of harsh standard for what I put in there. I, I'm very picky. So I probably do about double um, compared to what's listed in the actual travel guides. That sounds like it's a, a really cool way to chronicle some of the highlights of your travels too, plus offering these as a service to other travelers. That's really cool. Yeah, it's super fun. 
Um, so one thing that we've noticed is that several of your guides seem to um, focus on Mexico. And I think this probably goes hand in hand with what you were saying about planning four week uh, or four day uh, trips, you know, to really maximize your four day weekends and take advantage of that time. Um, is that just is that kind of, you know, how you picked those spaces or is that just one of your favorite places to go? Yeah, I mean, it's probably a mixture of both. So I, Mexico is a place that is very, very dear to me. Um, I think um, I was actually born in Texas. So I have some, you know, at least proximity to the country from growing up. Um, and I just really, really love Mexican culture. I think also because I speak Spanish, it's a very easy place for me to travel and meet people and, and talk to locals and and really um, get to kind of dive a little deeper into the country. Um, the other thing about Mexico is I think when something that really interests me about Mexico is it's one of those places that has sort of a reputation of being super touristy. And when you think about Mexico, you think of Cancun and Cozumel and Cabo and now even Tulum is kind of, you know, becoming a little bit more of a touristy place. And so what you'll notice is, um, I think I have three guides on, on locations in Mexico right now. I have Mexico city, I have Merida, Mexico, which is um, the, it's like a central located city in the Yucatan Peninsula. And then I have Isla Obash, which is the secret little island that um, you fly to Cancun, but you go the opposite way of Cancun and uh, Tulum. And you go north about two, three hours, and then you take a boat to the island. Um, and so... The, you know, Mexico City is a giant city. The other two destinations are a bit off the beaten path. Um, and Mexico City is just this, like, really vibrant, um, culturally interesting city that has amazing restaurants, amazing food. It's the, you know, they're doing incredible things in terms of design there. Um, and then the two other cities are really just like cultural experiences. They're so authentic. They're not overrun with tourists or big hotels or chain restaurants. Um, and so that's, that's sort of why I've always, I, I'm drawn to Mexico and there are a bunch of other places in Mexico that are like that. And I think I really like that dynamic of taking something that most people think is touristy and finding the pocket, the pockets of, authenticity and culture that normally people don't seek out and then promoting those places because that's that's my favorite part of travel is like finding those gems of places that um you know are just going to give you an interesting experience and and not be touristy so do you have any destinations that you found were particularly fun to write about rather than just visiting, but maybe you had a good time trying to explain it to others when you got back? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I have to say that, and this one is, a, there's a couple places. So Isla Olvash in Mexico um, was a blast to write about because it is this, teeny tiny island it's like one mile by one mile wide and it's 
Um, it doesn't have, it only has sand roads. There's no cars. Everyone drives these little golf carts around. Um, all the locals know each other. There's, I think the biggest hotel has like 20 rooms. Um, and you, it's so small. You can walk the whole Island. You rent your own little golf cart. You walk down the main road to the few restaurants that are there. And for the most part, you're just like hanging out in this like beach town. Um, and so that was a really fun one to write because there are, there's starting, there are guides starting to pop up about it. Um, I think Vogue wrote an article about it um, in the last couple of months. But when I went a year ago, it was still kind of an unknown destination. And so I couldn't find any information about it online. And so all everything you find in my guide, I found because I walked down a street and into the place that I'm talking about. Um, and I talked to the owners or whoever was there, but I, no one told me about those places um, before I went. And so it was really kind of this like investigative research, which was super fun. Um, and then probably the two other places that have been really fun to write about Iceland. I mean, Iceland is a hot destination right now. Um, and I would say maybe not write about, um, was the most interesting, but the photos and, and just like getting to tell sort of the story about Iceland through the content that I was able to create while I was there was really fascinating. And Iceland is actually, once you get out of Reykjavik, um, there's not, there, everything's sort of nature that you're seeing. So there aren't a lot of restaurants or bars or museums or things to write about outside of Reykjavik. And so that was kind of an interesting challenge too. Like I had to, re- it's, I would say my Iceland guide is more of a photo essay, um, with some like driving directions around it. So that was cool to write. And then the most recent one that I did is Chile. And, um, I actually worked with, um, a handful of hotels when I went down to Chile and probably my favorite experience was, um, we worked with the singular hotels in Patagonia and that was just an incredible experience. I mean, I, I had never really been somewhere, that remote and that hotel, um, the singular hotel does a really amazing job of, um, incorporating the nature around you into your stay. And so when you're having, it's kind of an all inclusive place. So you're having dinner at night and you're eating like fresh fish caught from the Patagonian water right outside the door. And you're eating vegetables that were grown on a farm right down the street. And the wine that you're drinking is produced from a vineyard, you know, a couple hundred miles away. And so that was just like an incredible experience because, um, everything was so fresh. The air was so clean. It was so unlike anywhere I had ever been. And so getting to write about the story behind that hotel and like how they make your stay so wonderful was like, also that was so fun to write. Yeah, it was fun to read too. Um, we have, you know, not necessarily like concrete plans yet, but we definitely want to go back to Patagonia someday and I'm thinking that it might be fun to check out that hotel too because you just made it seem so awesome. But awesome. Well, definitely let me know if you go. I will put you in touch with my friends there. 
Um, it's, it's such a cool experience. You guys would really, really love it. Do you have any um, other travel guides that are kind of in the works or on a list coming up next? Yeah, I do. I actually, it's been sort of a slower summer than I thought. My normal job has been very busy, but um, I'm actually working on, I I actually live full time in Washington, D.C. And so I'm working on a guide for Washington, D.C., which has been way harder than I thought. I think when you live somewhere, it's just like, you know so much, so many more places that you want to want people to go to. So I think my DC guide might be slightly massive compared to the rest of the guides. Um, and then I'm actually heading, um, for Labor Day weekend, I'm heading to Belize. Um, and so I'll probably be doing a, a guide around that trip as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've definitely, uh, put a couple places on my list of where I want to go next. And then Zach and I are actually headed to Portland, Maine in a couple of weeks. And so I'm excited to check out your coffee shop recommendations. Um, I have to go to Tandem Bakery. It is like, it's the cutest thing. It's built into an old gas station and, um, the picnic tables outside are like where the old gas pumps used to be. And then the old, I don't know if it was like an Exxon or something, but the old kind of convenience store is where the bakery is. And her baked goods are just to die for. I mean, you will gain 10 pounds in like one sitting, but you will be the happiest human alive. (laughs) That might sound worth it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Totally worth it. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I've really liked about how you've kind of set up these guides is you've got, you know, sleep, nosh, sip, caffeinate experience. So it's like you're really covering all the basics that people need when they're going somewhere to so that they can really customize and tailor their trip there. So that's really, really neat format, I think. Thanks. Yeah, I think um, one of the things that I, I'm a big coffee drinker. I mean, I basically like that's how I survive life. Um, and so one of the things that always frustrated me is that I don't think that there's another guide book or site anywhere that lists coffee shops as like its own section. And so something I always do when I travel is I like have to actively seek out the best coffee shops in the city that I'm going to. And I always find that I always end up finding them in like food magazines, like a Bon Appetit or something like that. Um, or like a food 52, they'll, they'll have a travel section and they'll talk about a cool coffee shop in a city, but I have to like accumulate the list myself. Um, and so that's, that was like a very important piece of these guides. It was like the thing that I was like, I'm definitely having a coffee shop section. And I love, I like love that it's called caffeinate and I'm a super picky coffee drinker. So if you are, you can trust my coffee shop recommendations. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know how refined my coffee taste is, but uh, that is definitely one thing that we always look for because, you know, we love living in our RV, but it is a small space. So sometimes it's nice to get out and go to a local coffee shop and work from there for a little bit and just kind of have a change of scenery. Um, so we're always trying to like find places that have good Wi-Fi and good coffee and good places to sit. And sometimes just using Google Maps, it can be hit or miss. So yeah, like you said, sometimes trying to find those places can be a little bit of a struggle to accumulate everything. 
Yeah, that's a great, I think that's actually another great way to meet people when you're traveling. Um, especially when I travel alone, um, sometimes I'll spend a couple hours in, in a coffee shop for an afternoon, either like starting to write one of the guides for wild trains, because I find it's a lot easier when everything's fresh. Um, or I'll just kind of sit there and people watch and like hope that I catch someone's eye and can strike up a conversation. But I find that like, um, if you find a local coffee shop, usually you'll be the only tourist or traveler in there. And so it's a great way to meet other locals. Oh, <laughs> uh, there went our dog. <laughs> I was just about to say something about him too. Um, yeah, we like to find coffee shops that have like an outdoor seating area. So we'll bring him. And I found that actually, you know, having like a really cute dog with you also opens up a lot of conversations and we've met like a ton of people in different places just from people wanting to pet him and talk to him first and then they're like oh yeah there's people here too I guess I'll talk to you guys (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome so what has been like the biggest experience that you've learned the most from whether it's from like your travels or um, your experience running your own travel site oh that is a tough question um You know, I think something that I actually had the idea, and I I should have known this. I I currently work for a startup called Urban Stems, um, and I've been here since the beginning. And so um, one of the things I learned early on at Urban Stems is, like, you can't – when you're launching a startup or a new business or um, trying to just test out a new idea for a product, you – can't wait until it's perfect to release it. Like it's, if you do that and most people I think that are visionaries or creatives or idea people, you know, they're very hesitant to release their idea into the world and get feedback, um, until they feel like it's perfect. Um, and so there's this, you know, the rule of like 80, 20, right? So you, um, get something 80% of the way there and then release it because it's going to take you just as long as it took you to build the 80% of the way there. It's going to take you just as long to do the other 20%. So it's not worth the effort for the 20%. Um, and so interestingly, I already knew that from having worked in startups, but when I was thinking about launching wild trains, it took me about a year before I released it. So, um, I really, really was like, just kind of nervous about releasing my own thing and nervous about what it was going to look like and what the colors and the fonts and the, the logo. And, um, and, and at some point I was just like, okay, it has to go out into the world. I can't keep holding on to it. And so I think my biggest lesson is there's still a ton of things on that site and in, in my content and, Um, I wish I was posting more frequently and creating content more regularly, but I think, um, we all live in the real world and it, and if we all waited for the perfect moment or, you know, the time when we could do everything we wanted and have it all be perfect, none of us would ever try new things or, you know, at least explore an idea. So that's probably the biggest thing I've learned. And so now I try to just be a little less, um, type A about it and, I create content for wild trains when I can and I, you know, keep a laundry list of ideas that I have, um, throughout my day and I tackle them when I have a free moment. Um, but I don't like kill myself 
with um, trying to make every little thing perfect or, you know, just trying to do everything at once. Yeah, that's great advice and great words to live by. I mean, you're so right. It's just so easy to be self-critical of the things that you're doing in your own projects and like you said you want it to be perfect before anybody else hears it or sees it or reads it uh but yeah at the end of the day you have to remember that nobody else is going to be noticing the tiny things that you'll notice uh and just kind of at some point put your effort out into the world and I think you've done a great job so far. I mean, I definitely think it's a great resource for people and I'm excited to keep watching and see what new um, travel guides come out and to start using some of these myself. Thanks, that's so sweet. Um, So I guess last question, Um, on your website too, you also have a section where people can uh, sign up and join to be a part of the community. Um, Can you tell a little bit more about that, you know, what that entails and what people could expect um, to gain or learn by signing up? Yeah, so that's actually, um, I don't do a lot with those. I, I, you know, I have people signing up every day. Um, One of the things you'll see is a lot of my guides will have like a downloadable, like actual itinerary for your trip. Um, and it'll be like a three to seven day itinerary and to get those because they're, they're actually more detailed and planned than the, um, travel guides that are public on the site. You give an email address for that. Um, and then you can also just give us your email address if you want to be a part of the community. Um, I don't email aside from emailing out those, um, more detailed itineraries to people. I don't email my list yet. Um, but I think I'm accumulating, um, that community in email form, um, for sort of future ideas that I have. I think I have some ideas around, um, you know, could I potentially plan trips for people? Could I take people, you know, groups to destinations that Wild Trains has written about? Um, I have some ideas around, um, curating, um, an e-commerce store from artists and locals that and shops that I've featured in my travel guides and my articles. That would um, be really cool. Yeah, so I, I think it's one of those things that's like daunting to think about, but I've I'm I've been sort of slowly building up that idea behind the scenes, um, and so that's that's why I ask for people's email address so that like I can when I have cool stuff that's launching, I can share that with them. Um, probably our biggest community base, or it definitely is our biggest community base is on Instagram. And that's much more of a like, you know, we're interacting with everyone who comments or messages us. Um, and so we've really focused on building a pretty strong community there. Um, but for the email addresses, it's more for like the long term. So on social media, are you just Wild Terrains there on Instagram and Facebook and all that good stuff? Yeah, it's just at Wild Terrains. Um, and you, I would say, in, you know, we have Facebook and Twitter, but um, and probably our two biggest platforms are Instagram and Pinterest. Um, so Pinterest, we have boards for all the destinations that we've visited and you can see like cool imagery and get inspiration for your trip. All right, cool. So I actually had one last question. So if you had 
uh, one piece of advice for somebody who maybe already is settled into their career like you are and have a full-time job or maybe more than full-time how what advice would you give them for a way to balance that and still keep travel a priority yeah that's a great question I mean I don't even know if I have the answer yet um I think I think I just balance it um it's like, depending on what's going on, I'm balancing it in different ways. You know, I had a, I ended up having a very busy summer, um, with my full-time job. And so I haven't really gotten to travel as much as I normally would in the last couple of months. But in the spring, I had a couple of opportunities, um, to take trips and, and, you know, I scheduled them in advance and made sure that I was, um, you know, everyone was cool with it. And I was, you know, had all my work done before I left Um, so I think it's just about, I think it's about like having good relationships with the people at your full-time job, letting them know that it's a priority. Everyone I work with knows about wild trains and is excited about it. So I think they even like when I go on trips and when they go on trips, they'll ask me for guides and tips and stuff. So, um, I think it's just about like communicating that it's a priority and I think being smart about, um, asking for time off. So, you know, sometimes what I'll do is I'll ask for a couple of trips at once. So I'm just asking one time, but I'm just like, I'm bulk asking for the time off. Um, and then I think also being creative about, um, getting more vacation time. So if your company lets you work remote negotiating that, if, um, you know, sometimes when you work for a startup, you, you're not going to get, as big of a salary as you would in a big company. And so sometimes startups will be more flexible about, you know, saying, okay, well, we can't pay you this much, but we'll give you an extra week or two of vacation, or we'll let you work remote a month for one month out of the year and you can go wherever you want. So I think a lot of people just don't ask for that kind of stuff. But I think, um, especially in like modern day times, a lot of companies are willing to, give people that flexibility to travel and work from different places. And I think it's a, at least for me, I know travel is such a big part of my happiness. And because I have a really creative full-time job, sometimes I need it to get away from my laptop and desk just to have interesting ideas for my normal job. So um, I think it's just about like talking to the people that you work with and making sure they know that it's a priority for you and um, just being smart about what you ask for. All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in for our interview with Lauren Bates of Wild Terrains. Uh, definitely hope that you will check out her website and see if, you know, some of her guides can be useful to you and maybe even sign up for her mailing list. Um, I've already signed up and so far I have not been overwhelmed with emails. So it's definitely, you know, something to check out. That way you can get any updates uh, as they come in. Um, we also, after last week's episode... Um, I put out a request for people to send us questions and we actually, you know, got a couple in and one that we've been asked before and we've been asked again, um, you know, Trish, uh, on our Facebook page, put this out there. And then we've also heard it before in similar versions. If we ever get, you know, tired of moving around from place to place or overwhelmed or stressed or frustrated by being on the move all the time. And I think that definitely being in the RV helps with that because we're always in our home. 
um, so that definitely helps. Uh, weeks like we've had so far where we move from Rhode Island and then as soon as we get into Massachusetts, we pick up and we pack a small bag and we go to New Hampshire and then we come back and we unpack and then we pack up again for a weekend retreat. Um, those can get tiring, but at the same time, it's it's just keeping in your mind, you know, that it's the journey and the experience and the destination and that's everything, you know, combined. And that's what makes travel so exciting is each thing can be an adventure if you just, you know, have the right mindset. And so, you know, we try to find interesting and fun things to do. And we also try to not beat ourselves up if we need a day to relax. I mean, we definitely have days where we don't do anything um, other than, you know, work or household things. And we just relax and we just do, you know, me stuff or, you know, it's so you can't put too much pressure on yourself, I guess, is the thing. You know, you definitely want to get out there and explore and check out everything. But at the same time, you have to know at the end of the day that you're not going to do everything. You're not going to see everything. So you have to, you know, think, well, maybe I'll come back here again. So you just kind of check out what you do and you enjoy it. And there's something exciting about being in a new city and a new destination and everything's new and you get to explore and start over. And I don't know. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think that it's important to find your own threshold for pace, like what fits you and your personality and your travel partner the best. It's not a competition to see who can do the most, see the most and, you know, go all night and all day. And, you know, you may get burnt out a lot faster if you try to do that and it's just not part of your personality. So I think, you know, it's completely fine to take it more easy, even have a few zero days, just, you know, relax and take it slow and know that you'll probably, if you make it a priority, be able to get back to where you are, whatever destination that you're seeing. If you don't get to see absolutely everything, you can always come back. And it's better to just tell yourself, hey, we'll be back, we'll do all this other stuff that maybe we didn't get a chance for this time, than it is to burn yourself out completely and maybe not be as interested in travel because it could be too hard if it's you're trying to go at a pace that's not your own. Yeah, and I mean, definitely make a list of the things that you want to do and that you want to see and check out. And, you know, as you have time and as you're there, check some of them off. But be okay with the fact that some of them might still be on there. And if you run into people who are like, oh, you should have done this. You didn't really experience the city if you didn't do this. Say, oh, my gosh, that's great. Thanks for that suggestion. I'll put it on my list for next time. And don't let it bother you. You know, you've got to keep your travels, your travels. And just keep experiencing. Keep getting out there. And if you're starting to feel tired or stressed or overwhelmed maybe slow down a little bit. I mean, that's one thing that we've done too is um, we're always ready to say, okay, let's stay here longer if we need to. Um, We haven't done that yet, but um, we're talking about maybe we might do that in Maine because there's just so much there that we want to see and do. We did it in Pennsylvania a little bit. Only by a day. We've done that a couple times. Because you wanted to go yard sailing so (laughs) (laughs) yeah and we did it that one time uh the first time we stayed at tammy's actually we had planned to leave the week before and then we um my uncle john paul and Aunt Tammy were like yo you got to come stay at our house so uh that was the first time and it was it was great and so we've made that kind of a tradition now for our visits yeah yeah i definitely think that's how we keep from getting burnout and keep from getting 
tired of traveling. Like, we definitely get tired. I'm tired right now, and you might notice I was tired during this interview that we did, too. (laughs) But I'm not tired of this type of lifestyle and of going and experiencing new things. Um, And I think that's because of the somewhat slower pace that we travel at, where we're going to stay places for at least two weeks, typically, and, you know, we like to stay places even longer, up to a month or more. So. Yeah, I mean, it just really depends on where we're going and where we want to get to. And I think for the most part, we've always had a deadline of when we needed to be back somewhere. Um, so, you know, our moving schedule may even get slower uh, after this winter. But you never know. I mean, life changes all the time and you have to be flexible and go with it. And that's one of the nice things about being able to pick up and move whenever you want to is you can be super flexible and you get to take your home with you. I mean, yes, true. We do sometimes just take the car. We just fly somewhere. And so we're not taking our home with us. But then we get to go back to our home in a new city that we're still getting to explore. So there's a little bit of that excitement there with it. Yeah, we're not having to restart from zero each time so again be sure to check out lauren's website at wildterrains.com and follow her on instagram and all of her social media accounts where she's wild terrains on there and also give us a follow on facebook and twitter at facebook.com slash listen tl or search thinking liberty on there and we're at listen tl on twitter also And the show notes for this episode, for anything that we talked about or Lauren talked about, any links or resources, will be at thinkingliberty.com slash 16. So be sure to check that out. And also, just if you have any friends that you think might benefit from hearing this interview or seeing Lauren's travel guides, just share this episode with one or two people who you think might be interested to hear about, you know, the cool places in Mexico she's been or the travel guide for Portland, Maine, which we'll be trying out here very soon. And we will definitely report back on how it went, too. Yeah. So I think that's it for this time. Um, We'll see you next week. Yeah. Thanks, guys. And keep the questions coming in because we love answering them and talking to you guys. Thanks for listening to Thinking Liberty. Subscribe to the show for free on iTunes, Google Play or Stitcher at thinkingliberty.com. You'll also find detailed show notes, pages, articles by Zach and Sarah and more. We'll see you next time.